Hey team, welcome to the fourth episode of Trending in the League. Now, two things. First off, no Alex today. Um, we This is kind of just an impromptu one today. I just was sitting there and it's a beautiful Saturday morning and I thought, you know, I'm not going to go outside and enjoy it. I'm going to stay inside and just talk about footy because it's been a while. Um, and yes, yeah, second, second and all... We haven't been able to do one in the last couple of weeks. We've had a few technical difficulties with the podcasting and that. We want to kind of be in the same place. So hopefully we can get to another episode together shortly. But at the moment, when I've been, we've been doing it in a different place and I'll invite him. It's just been a few issues. He's been cutting in and out. He's got a few issues with his phone because I've really loved this concept so far and I've heard some good feedback. So I want to keep doing that. I want to keep providing because you know me, I could talk about footy till till the um, cows come home. So yeah, today, trending lead, the topic is just the midway point of the season. We're just going to this is just going to be a way for me to talk about where every team is at the midway point. Now, it's technically not the midway point because there's three games into round 11. Um, I wasn't expecting to do this, but I thought, what the heck, why not? I can do this one without Alex. I much prefer doing it with my bud Al or with anyone else. So, Also, anyone listening that would like to join on pods with me, please let me know because sometimes Alex, like this, Alex can't join me or I... Just it's just good to have other people on as well, and we can talk about other things. Like I can do as many pods as I can think of, you know. So please let me know. Also, I'm a little bit got a little bit of a cold, so if you hear me sniff on that, don't be don't freak out. I'm all good. <laughs> so basically, we're gonna go team by team. We're gonna just start with the. T- we'll start with the bottom of the ladder first, and then we'll go away to the top. Now this is obviously, like I said, three games into the season, so. Um, so, for example, the Panthers were at the top of the ladder at the start of the round. Now they have dropped the third because the Eels and Storm have already played this weekend and won their respective games. So, we will jump to the dogs. And basically, I just want to try to touch on just the main the main takeaways from the dogs, the, the each team's season. And for the dogs, for me, you know, I've never been kind of one of those believers in the dogs and it's not about what they're about not about their culture or anything like that it's strictly a lot of it's just to do with talent you look at their back line and to put it nicely when you look when you have to label just who's got the best back line on paper on paper alone I would put Bulldogs well and truly on the bottom of that list their four pack there's some um, positives in there obviously the sign of Luke Thompson is going to be a great boost for them I want to actually observe him a bit closer this weekend as the last couple Bulldogs games I've been watching just little snippets as I've been I think it's been on the same time as the Super Rugby as well and there's been some big games on so I haven't really been able to observe his game as closely as I like but I do like the energy I've seen from him and I think he will make an impact maybe not a huge one this season but I think for the next couple of seasons um yeah so just on a backline basis they're not they're not you know they're not ruined talent I think I'd love to see a healthy Kieran for and you know I think he's suffered another injury and hopefully he's back shortly I think I'm not completely sure if he's been named this weekend I believe he hasn't but yeah it's just looking for the future of Bulldogs how can this team build for upcoming seasons. 
And I'm just not too sure. Kotrick's an interesting signing. Now, are they signing them just on the base of just another strike weapon? Or could they mould him into a fullback? Because we know how influential fullbacks are. So can he be that? Is that his aspiration? I'm not too sure. He's a physical specimen. He's young. He's already played origin. There's a world where I could see him do that. So you never know. Um, look, and there's also some, there's some, there is some great, Mature heads in there. The likes of DW, DWZ. You've also got Wuhapawade, who I believe does a, he does a spectacular job wherever he's put. But I think when you put him at centre, he immediately is one of the top tier centres in the game. And I don't think you can say that when you put him at fullback, especially, especially just like... Just the just the impact the fullbacks have these days. I think you just need kind of more of a spark weapon back there. And a guy that's going to be around the ball a lot. Um, he's great at reading numbers, and he's got great. He does have a great playmaking game, but I think he is best utilised as a centre for experience on the edge as well. So yeah, and the dogs like, touched on their full pack with Thompson. Koi Haru is gone. I said at the start of the year when all that's happened, it was huge. You know, we were a bit in limbo. What was going to happen with him with the incident? And I said like that's a big loss because. There was, for me, if I had to pick the favourite for MVP of the Bulldogs, like who was going to end up being their most valuable player at the end of the year, I would have said him. He's just got that strike weapon. I think when the Kiwi side gets picked last year, he'll definitely be in there. I think he'll be one of the starting edge edge, um, back rowers for them. He's just a great player. So to lose him is going to be a huge gain for the Raiders, but a huge loss for the Dogs. Um, I think they do need a sign look at just their main playmaking positions. Obviously Kieran Fawns, health is there, health is an issue. Link Lachlan Lewis, I don't know what Lachlan Lewis's ceiling is and obviously he hasn't he has been dropped out of sight a few times. What do they think of him? I have the idea of potentially maybe next season looking if he could be a potential hooking option. You know, I don't know if he's played there before, but the energy he brings that there's a bit of mentality and swagger about him that he could do so, but it's a completely different position. It's a completely different tone on his body. But I think that's just a issue that I need to address is the hooker position because as we're going to touch on a lot in this video, I think it is quickly becoming one of the... I'm going to go on a limb and say the most important position, especially with the six again rule and just the way we are seeing halves... Like we're going to t- touch on Ben Hunt shortly, how halfbacks can go in there and they can apply their craft there where they're constantly on the ball. They're not waiting, you know, halfway into the set to get the ball. And they don't, you know, a lot of halves still only dominate on one edge, you know, either their right side, left edge. Some halves pop round, but the majority of the time, they kind of stick to their corridors. When you hook it, you just, wherever the ball is, and you've always got an. You're always going to influence what happens on attack. So for the dogs, I'm not surprised to see them down the bottom. I picked them 14th at the start of the year, and it's looking like they'll finish below that. The Broncos. Oh, well, you know, at the end of the day, a lot has been said about the Broncos, and a lot of it's negative, not positive. Now, what we can say about the Bulldogs, the Broncos, sorry. David Fafita was having a monstrous start to the year. He was... You know, he scored the best try of the season so far against the Cowboys, and they've lost him. And 
you know, you don't want to blame injuries, but come on, cut them a little bit of slack. He is their strike weapon. Tony Staggs is a strike weapon that was out a lot of times. They made a bad decision getting rid of McCulloch, I believe. They've tried to kind of put little sticky plasters everywhere, you know, short-term fixes, sign in, um, you know, bring back Isaac Luke for experience, bring back Ben Teo there. And they've just done little things to kind of make short-term improvements that have not worked at all. You know, they've, they really need just to rip off the big band, eh, and make some tough calls, especially now where, really, you know, they are not at a, a point where finals footy is a realistic chance for them. I believe, I think it's over. They should be looking for the future, and I think they've got to start now with the culture. With Seabold, Seabold's in a tough situation, though, because he's been given this target of getting five wins from the last 10 games. Now, they've already got a loss against the Storm, so they need five wins the next nine games. But I think it's a bit rough. Um, and maybe it's not. I think Seabold has not had a great year. And I think he was put... But I think he was put in a sticky situation as well. But why I don't like this five-game target is what I just said. They're not going to win this year. So... You need to make some big calls now to get them accountable for next year. For example, I believe Milford is their best player in the back line. And I think he's best utilised at fullback. And that's where he got picked this weekend. But I wouldn't have picked him. I wouldn't have picked him because that for him it's like, oh you've done you're you're doing alright, mate. You you know, you're up to the standard of footy we want you to be. You're gonna go fullback, we need you. No, you have been taking shortcuts. There's been little glimpses in your game where you're showing a lack of effort. You just need to make really make those big calls, drop him, really get him thinking about his footy, and just, yeah, really make them accountable. Give these young guys a go. This year is essentially over. And there's, I don't hate to single out Milford, but he, you just watch it in the game. Milford's not the same player he was, and it's not... You know, he he did look a little bit strapped up last night, but in previous games, it just looked like effort rather than anything else. And yeah, with the Broncos in general, just it has been disappointing, just their lack of effort on defence. Now, last night against the Storm, they were brilliant in the first half with a lot of, they were really setting some good pace in their line defence, but it quickly dropped off. And you could see there was a moment there where Storm picked up early where they were pushing up really hard and fast, but then the edges weren't pushing up. So what they do, they just spread it on the second and third, and then they'd get to the halfway line, if, and they did that in the first half, even when the Bulldog, Broncos side were actually probably the better team for the majority of that half. And then, you know, you saw what happened in the second half, ended up being a 46-8 to eight score line, and it was one of the Broncos' best performances of the season. That, that really tells you where they're at at the moment. They really... that. The way they defended wasn't sustainable. They were showing a lot of effort and they weren't able to carry it through. They just need to think smarter about defensively and they really need that leadership, which is lacking, to step up. There's just a lot of things going on. Um, so, yeah, with the Broncos, for next year and for now, the half situation's interesting. you got Dead and Croft. You know, I think too could have very promising futures. And honestly, I don't think rep footy is out of the equation for both of them. We haven't seen much of Dearden, but I think Croft can potentially be a Queensland halfback one day. The thing with Croft is, 
he's a roller coaster for me. I'm always confused about him. He's so used to structure at Melbourne, and he's so used to playing that structure, but I really see him being a running half as well. I compare him to George Williams. I think he is a more George Williams than he is more Cooper Cronk, but he's so he's got these attributes, and he's been so familiar playing, but he's been so accustomed to playing in a structured system where I think he's not even sure what he is. So as soon as he can figure that out, as soon as the coaches and the team can help him figure that out as well, the more he's going to better fit, the more t- the team's going to better fit. So yeah, I don't want to touch too much more on the Broncos, but yeah, Payne Haas is doing a lot of work. He's I'm scared that he'll get burned out early um, in his young career, but yeah, end of the day, he's going to be one of the better forwards in the you know that we've ever seen. Honestly, he's only twenty or twenty one. And I might even not even be that, but he's a freak of nature. Um, so we're going to the Titans who, who are fighting for David Fafita's signature. That's kind of their main story. And honestly, you wouldn't blame Dave Fafita for signing there. I think they're offering him about one point two million a year. You know, go on, David, go and do it. And I made a comment on one of my pods with Ozza from Rugby League, in my opinion that I don't see why he'd go to the Titans. And I've quickly backtracked on that. You know, looking at it, what what future's brighter? The Titans, the Titans, what future is brighter? The Titans or the Broncos? And I think I got caught up in just that, the old Broncos, what they used to be. But at the moment, like we just said before, what is the state of the Broncos at? It's not very good. And the Titans have just, they've got another promising forward that will be next to him and Fodawaka. They've just signed in Tino, who got a double last 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 night, sorry, and he's been awesome this year. He has been, and I'm really going to miss him from our side. I think he's going to be a huge loss. The thing with the Titans is they've got so much money stocked into Ash Taylor, and I'm not completely losing faith that Ash Taylor can't be a premier half, but the as seasons roll on, you know, the least... The least, the more you lose hope, I should say. But yeah, they just oh, the Titans. They've been they've been alright, you know. Like they've had some bad losses, yes, but I don't know what you meant to expect from them. They lost Ryan James at the start of the uh, season ending injury. There's something with their hookers as well. They've rotated a few hookers, so I think they need to kind of solidify that. It looks like Nathan Peets, who was once a he was a New South Wales uh, a hooker a couple of years ago. He's on the outer. He doesn't kind of fit. The way the game is now, he's not really that running hooker, and he's really just yeah, he's not really in the equation. So yeah, there's op yeah, there's options there for the Titans. I think just their future sadly hinges a lot on Ash Taylor and how if they don't keep with Ash Taylor, how they can offload him or yeah, how they can maybe even find a guy that fits well with Ash Taylor to bring the best out of him. Because I think the future is bright with the Titans. AJ Brinson's one of the most unsung young players. He hasn't played a lot this year. I think he only played the one game, I believe. But I really like him as a potential fullback for them. So yeah, there is promising sign for the Titans. And they're one of those teams. Don't look too much into what's happened this year. Um, And another team you can write off, not about the finals, but... Overall, I think if you're a Titans fan, there's a lot of optimism there. Now we go to Warriors, probably another team that you can write off for the finals. And they've been in a tough situation, as we all know. They have been told to come over here, 
go away from the families, which is tough to do, very tough to do. You know, I can't, I, I wouldn't even imagine to put myself in that in their shoes. You know, a lot of them have got families, as we're seeing Fusatua, Mamalo, and I think there's a couple others going back over because there's some tough things going on in their lives. And you can't blame them. You really can't blame them. But yeah, some of the efforts, some, there's been a lot of times I watched the first 20 minutes and they look really in the contest. They look up for it. And it's not just the effort. They actually look like a their team cohesion's good. They look like they're gelling well together. And then just the wheels fall off. And I'm not too sure what complete that is. I'm interested to see what their, their direction is going to be in the future. Jack DeBellin has been tossed up as a potential sign for them. I actually like it. Um, I like it, but but there is a but. Um, we'll get to what I like about it though. I think if they can, I think they've probably a six hundred k contract, something like that. So it's not too much, and I think he's worth it. I think he's a, you know, he's obviously got that origin presence. He's just a no nonsense forward. He's got that ball playing ball playing ability which I think you need from your 13s now as we've seen with the likes of Cam Murray and Jake Javovic I think he just gives another element to them and yeah I think honestly he can teach them a lot it's just and he's still relatively young as well it's just what's happened with the scandal you know we just still don't know what's happened you know we haven't seen him on the footy footy field for two almost like 18 months or something like that so yeah, that's a question mark. Is he going to be the same player? Also, is he going to bring all this baggage with him as well? So for me, there's alarm bells there. But if you minus that, if you could clean slate and you could take a risk, I think you'd do it. And I think that's a risk they sh- they potentially should take. I think they we hear a lot in the you know the media's um, world that NZ they rely too much on signing their own talent over New Zealand and that, and it is true, you know, you you need to take advantage of your talent for sure, but you need to have that mix there and just those, you know, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but there's some attributes that Aussies have that some Kiwis don't have, um, you know, and the style of play, the way that they, they were brought up playing over in Australia, some of those things weren't taught or... Yeah, not the same over in New Zealand. And I think we need some more Aussies, some experienced Aussies like Blake Green. I thought Blake Green was great with Sean Johnson. Similar guys like that to kind of add to what the Warriors are. I'm also looking forward to Nathaniel Roach coming back. I think he could be the future hooker for the Warriors. And I think he suits the way the game is going today. So, yeah, Tohu House, another great player too. And obviously, Sheck, you know, I'm a little bit worried. I feel like it's hard to tell if Sheck, if he's dipping off a bit because of how his team's going, is the load is becoming too much. But it'll be interesting to see if they make some key signers next year and their roster is more well, well-rounded and can really contend for a top eight finish, how Sheck is. I hope we're not seeing a dip in his form, his athleticism. Um, and he can just, you know, kind of continue, like, go more upwards rather than kind of plateauing, dipping at the moment. I It's not like he's been awful this year. He's just been a little bit below his normal self, which is a high standard. Cowboys, very disappointing. Tomalolo is, you know, he's got them on the back and they're really not performing at a higher level. It's good to see the likes of Hamaso 
um, shining, though. He had a great run last week and great try the week before. Yeah, it's just just tough for the cows. It's you know the I think out of all the coaching seconds, it's the most deserved. I shouldn't say deserved, but you know what I mean. Like each, no one deserves to be sacked in a sense, but it made sense because he's got the roster there and they weren't performing. And I think it was a good comparison is Madge McGuire with the Rabbitohs. Like he won a premiership with them. Same with same with um, Paul Green with the cows and sometimes you just need a change of blood the same things just don't keep working so as you can see he's Paul Green has already been rumoured for all these other jobs so you know it's he's not a bad coach it's just time for change you know but yeah injuries to Michael Morgan doesn't help and Scott Drinkwater and um so Valentine Holmes look to be out for the majority of the season too so yeah, it's looking uh, a bit shaky for the cows. Let's let's just say that. Where I had high hopes for them, I had them top four finish. I just went roster alone. They're gonna be awesome. I thought Paul Green was gonna be able to get. You know, there was there was gonna gel with the players again. That wasn't the case. Cohen Hess has impressed me in patches. I actually think he is a better player this year, but. He was a guy that I thought was going to be a most improved player. Now he, yeah, like I said, he has improved, I believe, but it hasn't been enough, you know, and there's still areas of his game that he needs to improve on as well. Um, Reese Robson, he's the type of hooker that is going to be impactful during the upcoming um decade or so so I think that's a real that's probably their biggest positive out of the season the emergence of Reese Robson at hooker Jake Granville's on the outs now so it's interesting because Jake Granville can be that the hooker that suits today's game too again now dummy half creating havoc been you know causing issues at the ruck so yeah and we're gonna go to Dragons now We'll just talk about the hooker position here. That's what's really helped their season and really put them back and back on path. And I think this is the eleventh spot with the Dragons is kind of these teams that I think realistically, um, everyone above the, the the Dragons and everyone above them are going to be looking at the finals as um, you know their goal. You know they re- realistically can get there. I think the Cowboys now can't. Well, they can, probably, like, mathematically, but I don't see them doing so. But the Dragons, I can. And a lot of it has to do with their, you know, about round six, round seven, they switched it up with Hunt going to 14 and then coming on as hooker. Now they've just gone all in and thrown him at nine, and Ben Hunt's looked the best he's been for a long time, and it's really helped the team out. Like I said, he can, with the hooker role, when you're around the ball all the time, you've got more more chances to have an impact on the game. And, yeah, he's been very crafty. He's utilising his kicking game. McInnes can still do what he does at the 13 position. It doesn't minimise him at all, really. You know, he can. He is, he is a good ball, a runner when he wants to be out of dummy half, but I think you sacrifice that with having Hunt there. You know, Corey Norman... Look, settled with Clune there. I think Clune's having a very underrated season for a rookie. I've been quite impressed with him. Zach Lomax and Ewan Aiken have been the form centre combo of the last couple of weeks. You know, Ewan Aiken has just showed us that underestimated strength, man. He is powerful and it doesn't look like he can, 
you know, bust tackles, but man, he can. Zach Lomax is just finding his way in first grade, man. He is going to be threatening for New South Wales or Kangaroos jersey anytime, anytime soon, I reckon. It's just with the Aussies and New South Wales, there's a lot of contention for those centre and wing positions because you just use the fullbacks now. You've seen Tommy there, we've seen or Jack White in the 5'8 there, so you can transition out just any backs into those positions and they've done the job. So it might be hard for Lomax to get into those sides because of the competition he's got there. He'd probably much rather be at Queensland at the moment, but hey, it is what it is and he's going to have a great career either way. Matt Dufty. He's probably been one that took biggest talking points too. He's just really worked on a few of the little things in his game, especially his playmaking and his involvement. I believe he just sometimes he can look like the most entertaining player on the park, but in the at the end of the day, those little basics really let him down and were very consequential to his team. They yeah, a lot of the times when Matt Dufty. Rocks or diamonds, really, for him. And those rocks were really costly, man. So it's good to see him playing some great footy. And it probably just helps that he's getting some good service from his spine and the forward pack as well. Ravalara has also been great. And, yeah, I think there's promising stuff for the Dragons, man. It's a key matchup tonight with him, with them and the Sharks. Uh, they're two teams that are very similar situation. And we'll touch on the Sharks now. A team that's been able to pile on heaps of points. I think they're actually, if I just quickly look at the ladder now, before the round started, I believe they were like fourth or third in a you know point scored, which is incredible. But you do have to look at who they're getting those points again. And that's where I'm looking at tonight and I'm looking at in the future when they come up against these top eight teams. Now, the Dragons aren't top eight teams, but they're at their level. I think they're very neck and neck at the moment. Let's see if they... Sean Johnson, in particular, 15 China assists, can he do it in these games where they're not meant to win? Or, you know, there's a slight... You know, they might slight not be favourites. You know, in these games that are meant to be tough contest he's doing great and the Sharks overall are playing great against the teams they're meant to beat which is an achievement in itself because a lot of times teams can't do that they can't beat the teams they're meant to beat and that can be their biggest downfall but the Sharks are doing that and they're really piling on the points but can they do it in these tougher games and that's what I really want to see from the Sharks at the back end of the season at back end of the season there's some problem promising forwards in there as well. Rudolph's one that's really stepped up. I'd like to see more of Nakora and Johnson looking up too. I think they're starting to get that combo back because another NZ potential back rower is Nakora. He knows how to run a good line, especially if Johnson's there with him in the Kiwis at the World Cup. I think that will be a combo that can really kind of make the Kiwis a genuine threat to get back that um, World Cup. Yeah, what else can we say? Matt Moylan is a silky, silky player, but we need to see him on the footy paddock, and it's really sad to see him suffering injuries. Same with Josh Dugan. I've liked the glimpses of Josh Dugan too. He was meant to play his 200th game tonight, and it looks like he's out. So that, that really sums up Josh Dugan's career. For him to get 200 games, that says a lot, man. That says a lot, because he seems to be... You know, off the park more than he's on the park, and it's sad to say because of you know on a you know hypothetically you wish you could see everyone playing footy to the best of their ability, but 
sadly, that's not always the case. So, yeah, with the Sharks, I just want to see them overall perform the way they are against these bottom feeder teams against the big guns of the comp. And a team that I thought were going to be big, you know, quote-unquote big guns, title contenders of the Rabbitohs, and they've been a little bit disappointing. I'm not overly surprised, though, because I think their forward pack has definitely been hindered because of the losses of Johnny Sutton and Sam Burgess there, and also George Burgess as well. It's very lacking depth. Thomas Burgess has had a pretty good season, but overall, they've been suffering a few niggles in the forward pack too, and their depth has really shown from that, and that's where every time they lose a game, I think they lose the four-pack battle because they've got the backs to, you know, compete against anyone. They've got speed galore out wide with the likes of James Roberts and Gagai, who's having... I think Gagai is an interesting one. I think he's actually having the best NRL season he's had. Um, You know, he's one of those players that really steps up in origin, but he doesn't really do it at a club level consistent basis. Maybe he doesn't get involved enough or he just feels like he doesn't need to get the ball as much as we believe he should. But for for me, he's having a great season and it's good to see. He's really stepped up um, and been one of the better, I think he's floated in between the wing and fullback, wing and centre position this year. The halves... They look like a different team when Cody Walker's on the pitch. He missed a couple games, and when he got back, you just see they were really tailing the ruck area, and they were kind of playing a lot faster with him, and it kind of allowed Damien Cook to show how good he is as well. He's a guy that... He's an interesting one because he's really been affected by this the weekend four-pack this year because he needs that front... F- you know, for front foot rolling four pack to get him over Vance's line, to give him the quick play of the balls, to give him those kind of scattered defences, and it's not happening in spades this year for for him. And, yeah, I think you can see that. Latrell's obviously always been talked about. He was getting better and better as the season was getting on, but I believe his ball playing didn't actually surprise me. I always knew he was quite good with the ball. But, yeah, just the involvement was something I hope to see improve in the future. I think when he gets another full preseason under his belt at fullback, I think next year, honestly, I believe next year is the year for Latrell and potentially for the Rabbitohs, especially with Jairo. This year, realistically, hey, they sh- you should still look at the Premiership realistically as a chance, but focus on the finals footy and see what you can do once you're there. So hopefully you've got a healthy team. Maybe you start clicking. Wayne Bennett's a master coach. Let's just see what happens. You know, it's one of those one of those things you never know it's going to happen. There's going to be some bad luck that happens to the other teams as well with injuries and suspensions, all that. So for the Rabbitohs, they've, they've got the squad to do it. On star power alone, they've got the players to do it. But I do believe they are outside that the premier title contenders when we go to the Tigers a team that um and this is a top eight now eight spot the Tigers who lost their game in round 11 um and I actually thought it was a good game but the Tigers I think they come against the eel side who is second on the table and they've been firing hot um before they lost to Manly last week and a disappointing loss but yeah Tigers you know I kind of put them with the Bulldogs in the sense that um I like them. I do like them, but talent, roster talent-wise, they're not that great. 
you know, just comp- when you just basically look at it from if you had all the teams in the paper, I think the West Tigers punch well above their weight, and that's a great thing to say about your team. What I do like about the Tigers um, this year, though, is the Harry Grant inclusion. He's leading the Dally M's, and honestly, with him inclusion, he he and the way he's been playing, you know, he bumps up their yeah pure looking at their roster on a piece of paper, you know, quite a lot up that ladder. He's just he's just been that impactful as a rookie. He has been unreal. The efforts, the effort is crazy. He's got such the tenacity on offense and defense. He's just always probing. He's always asking questions. Sometimes. I think he does a little bit too much. That is probably the best thing you can say about a player when you're talking about their weaknesses. So that's a lot of positives. It's just with the Tigers, there's just been a couple games this season where they've just kind of let their guard down and Madge has really then kind of pulled the axe the week after and made some big calls, sack, um, dropping Luke Brooks advance, dropping um, Benji, who was playing good footy, completely out the squad. And it's one of those things, can you risk doing that when you're realistically going to make the eight? And, you know, Madge is like, stuff it, I'm going to do it. And that's what Seabold needs to do a bit more of. Just, you know, kind of, you know, make those big calls. And Madge, he knows, yes, it might be short-term loss, it's going to be long-term gain. And I think Luke Brooks and Benji haven't, you know, cried about it. They've really roasted occasion. Oh, Benji has Luke Brooks is still finding his feet since then. It's only been a couple of weeks since his dropping, but I do believe you know it, it's been one of the biggest calls. For, oh, it's been the biggest call from a coach so far this season, and probably the most impactful one as well. Yeah, and overall, I do. Yeah, I like the Tigers team. Just they need some more strike weapons for the future. I was hoping Moses Mumbai could be that from a couple of years, but I think Moses Mumbai is just. You know what you're going to get from him now. He's just going to be a player on the back line that's kind of just delivers. You know, he's going to pass, he's going to run. Yeah, which is, you know, I did have a lot more hope for him by, to be honest. But he hasn't come to as much as I'd want him to. They've got some hard workers to fall back. Alex Twyla, I love. He's injured at the moment, but he's hard working. Eisenhoof, he's great. Um, Josh Aluahi, uh, I've butchered that, sorry. Lucy, Luciano Leilua, he's in his stride. He could be a real X factor for him in the upcoming, in the in the near future, for sure. So yeah, some promising sign for the Tigers, and yeah, I think a spot in the eight is definitely realistic for them, and I hope they trend that way, and I hope Benji can finish off his career with yeah, with, with not a ninth place finish, but hopefully in that top eight round. Let's go to the Seagulls. A team that I really still consider premiership contenders, especially when you add back Dylan Walker Tommy and Tommy Turbo, Turbo obviously. They're a great team, but they're top-heavy. And you can say, you know, last year, I a lot of people at the start of the season were tipping Manly to win the comp. Um, they said, well, last year they almost got to the game before the grand final without Tommy Turbo. Imagine if they do have Tommy Turbo next year. But the thing is, like we're seeing, Tommy Turbo is down injured again. These injuries don't go away. You you know, they there's a bit of luck to it, and you realistically want to see everyone stay healthy, but you've got to be a realist too, eh? You've got to think, 
there's hammy issues, these always happen. You know, they're not just going to go away. And like we've seen, they've affected them again. And it's not just him. There's a couple little injuries there. And I think they've got a lot of star players. And there's quite a gap between their best players and their, you know, their middle players or their worst players to a degree. You know, I think Curtis Cernan and Joel Thompson, man, they're borderline New South Wales back row candidates for sure. But... I think when you're so top-heavy and your top-heavy players like even Jake and Chu Evans, you know, they've gone down with little nickels before too. When you take them out the frame, then they're a team that's talking about, you know, fighting off the wooden, you know, getting off the wooden spoon rather than fighting for a top-eight spot. So it's tough for them because there's, you know, their team on paper that looks great, and you can understand why they're top four. I loved if they're fit, raring to go, best best possible situation, and and say if they still stay in the six seven range, man, I could still, you know, out of all the teams you wouldn't want to verse in this bottom area, um, them and the Raiders at the moment would be the teams I wouldn't want to play. Now, the Roosters are currently fifth, but I do believe the Roosters will jump up to the top four and the Knights will probably drop down. But out of those teams, the Seagulls and the Raiders are going to be tough, tough teams to beat. And we're going to touch on the Raiders now. You know, an injury to Josh Hodgson basically had people in rolling them out. And I was one of them. And what happens? They beat the Roosters. <laughs> you know, a team that uh, $3.50 to win the comp. So you just don't know, you know. Ricky Stewart's a madman. He held, he hold, he holds the players accountable. They've got that defense. Their attacks, their issue at the moment, but they look like they, because they they had Josh Hodgson, who I believe is one of the best players in the game. They probably relied on him too much, and because they had Havili and Starling there, and who aren't big big name players. They were able to shed a load and it allowed Wyden to play his games. His other players would kind of, you know, carry more on their shoulders and it was more of a team effort. And that's not taking anything away from Josh Hodgson and we've only seen a one-game sample. We don't have a big enough sample just to prove that this was a fluke. But, you know, I, I think it's promising. Do I still have them title contenders? I'm not too sure. They, they've they just been, like I've said, they've been looking clunky and that. And I think overall, to win those big games, they are going to miss Josh Hodgson. I think for the regular season, they're going to be great. And I think we're going to see storylines where we think, can the Raiders still win? I think they're going to clock some wins together. And I think they're going to be another team that actually could pop into the top four as well. But I think when push comes to shove, I think they're going to miss him in those big games for sure. And he is out for the season. There's no chance he's coming back, I believe. But yeah, the combination between George Williams and Jack Wyden has been interesting because they've both been playing great. But I think the fit's not perfect. And what they are going to miss with no Josh Hodgson is he's kind of the game manager when he's there. And then Wyden and Williams don't have to worry about too much being the game managers. They can focus on what makes them great players. So now with him out, and he's not really a quote-unquote game manager, I think one of them might have to step into that role. Um, but, you know, you never know. They might not have to do that. It might just naturally might just happen. They might just take turns of just kind of doing it as a collective group and managing the game. 
But I think it is going to be, yeah, I think it is going to be an issue when we get into the finals. I think they're going to be a quality team and they're going to rack up some wins. But when, yeah, when it comes to the finals, I think they're missing that game manager and Josh Hodgson. And just what, he doesn't just bring that. He brings a lot of everything else. He's a tough player and he's just crafty as well. So I think I'm going to miss him. I think their four pack has been fantastic too. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I think Josh Papati's really stepped shouldn't say stepped up, but he's carried on his form from last year. I think if you're talking about the best front row in the game, I think he's number one for me. You obviously hear Aiden Fanua Blake, you hear Martin Tapao, his teammate, and we're going to touch on some of the more front rowers coming up later in the Roosters, the Knights team, and also um, G, um, James Fisher Harris, Jordan Paulo, Regan Campbell Gillard. But I think he's been doing it for a while. He's been doing it ages and he really stepped up a little last year and I think his yeah his influence just just pips the others and I also like he's actually a well disciplined player compared to a couple of the other ones contending from that spot too so for me I just give him the edge slightly as the best front row in the competition but we're going to go to the Roosters now who have two of the best front rows in the competition and Takiyaho and Jared Hargraves, and they haven't been bad this season. They've been top quality as well. And the Roosters, you know, when they are firing, man, they look unbeatable. Honestly, as a Storm fan, it scares me. But hey, they're only six and four. Their record really doesn't show how dominant they've been in this season. And you know, two of those losses were before this season resumed. Um, they let in a comeback against Panthers. In round one, and they also lost to the Seagulls in a gritty affair. But yeah, teams that they're another team that's been really hit by injuries. Crichton's just been injured, and obviously Radley's out for the season along with Verrills. So how they how they maintain their success without them? I think they can still do it because their depth is pretty fantastic, and especially if they're able to get Sonny Bill Williams, that just adds another layer to them. I don't think everyone should expect Sonny Bill Williams to be the Sonny Bill Williams of 2013, not at all, but I think he's just going to help have another cool head in there, and he's going to be given a role, and because it'll be really simplified, I think he'll just be able to you know, fit into that Roosters team seamlessly. So for me, there's not much to say about the Roosters. I think they should still be the premiership favourites. It's just injuries, but like every team, every team's affected by injuries. The goal line defence is scary. The Morris brothers have just turned back the clock. They're playing outstanding. Yeah, they're a great team. And, you know, what else can you say, really? That 6-4... and four, Record really doesn't speak for itself, you know. Um, yeah, so we're going to the Knights, who I was keen on the Knights at the start of the season, and they've kind of been my the prediction that I've got the right the most, I reckon. Like, it hasn't been, would you say they're the fourth best team this year? No, but, you know, what? why they're there is a lot to do with who, who they're versed, and a lot, a lot of other teams have um, probably had tougher schedules. But... Their efforts improved. Their defense is great. Uh, Pong has had, you know, a lot of speculation. Whether is he in the best of form or is he being utilized right? We saw last week was one of his best games of the year. So hopefully we see an upwards trend there. Pierce has also had it been indifferent, and we're saying they, these are two guys they heavily rely on, and they've had indifferent seasons this year. And they're fourth. That says a lot. What's happened at the 
the Knights. Everyone's just stepped up a level, especially Safiti. Daniel Safiti's been my most improved player this year. He has been awesome. I don't think he deserved an Origin call-up last year. I really didn't. But, man, he's definitely in the fold again this year, and rightfully so. Clem has been awesome. I think... Actually, he's been overlooked a lot because everyone's noticed Safiti. I think when you talk about the form front rows in the comp, he needs to be considered. He's added a layer to his game with his offloading. And also McCulloch, that signing, you know, worked out awesome for them, especially with the sad injury that Braley, who was looking like a really good signing for them as well. Also, they've suffered injuries with Connor Watson. I thought Connor Watson was great the first couple of rounds and he adds some spark off the bench for them. I think he that's the best way he can be utilised. But luckily, Tex Hoy's been able to fill in some gaps here and there too and he definitely has shown that he doesn't look out of place in first grade as well. So overall, I do like this team. Um, Edric Lee suffered injury too and he was looking very solid. Yeah, I like this team. It's just that, but we'll go back to what's been said about Ponga. It's just how can you best utilise Ponga? I think we need to get him around the ball more, which he was doing last week. So hopefully, hopefully we continue to see that. Kurt Mann has also been the perfect partner for Mitchell Pierce. I was, yeah, like I said, I had to tip my own horn, but the couple of things I said about the Knights this year, I think they were just going to be better defensively and just effort because I thought Adam O'Brien was going to bring in a lot from the Roosters and Storm Cultures, which he has done. I thought... They need a forward leader, a f- uh, someone to step in the forwards alongside Klima. That's what's happened with Safidi. Um, they've really got great go forward out of there. And also, I thought Kurt Mann was the most well-rounded option at six. And I think you you had to not focus on how good that six is, but how he best suits um, Pierce. A lot of people wanted Watson the Olino because they probably you know, are better playmakers, better game breakers. But I think he's the be- the best, and he's proven he's the best fit next to Pierce. And you can have those game breakers off the bench. And that's what Watson, sadly, hasn't been able to deliver this year because of injuries. But luckily, he is back now, so it'll be awesome to see how he goes. But yeah, I'm keen on the Knights. But even though we've got the Roosters, Raiders, Seagulls below the Knights, I do think those three teams are more realistic chance of winning at the moment. The Raiders is interesting without Josh Hodgson, but I'll probably put them on the same tier. We'll go to the Panthers, who I also thought were going to be in the 8th. I thought they were going to be 8th. I knew there was going to be improvements. You know, straight away when I saw Maloney was out, I thought, nah, they didn't even make the 8 without him. They're definitely going to make it this year. Then when they signed Coruscant, I thought about it. I thought about it. I was like, this is the sign of the season. They had a lot of issues with their attack, especially in the 20 metres close to the try line. And I thought, well, well, you've now got one of the best running nines in the comp. You've got a nine that's also played in the half, so he's just a great playmaker. And he's just going to open up a lot for the outside back, especially Cleary, who's just got the platform to work off because of the, you know, the the destruction that Coruscant is causing, and also one of the more underrated full packs in the comp. And James Fisher-Harris been, I think he's been the form front row of the comp with Papali. Also, James Tarmour, who, if he got called back into New South Wales full pack, there's a lot of people that are contending for a spot, but because he's been there before and the leadership he's shown and just the consistency of what he's doing, I wouldn't question it. 
there's just so much positives about this Panthers team. I could go on heaps. Dylan Edwards, you know, I don't think he is a top-class fullback, but he's doing his job very well. That's probably one thing you could probably, you know, push against the Panthers winning the comp this year. I think, yes, in the future, they will need to kind of look at a better fullback. Like, not a better fullback, but maybe more of a playmaking fullback and a guy that's, yeah, because that's a weakness of Dylan Edwards. He's not the best at kind of creating creating things for others. But at the moment, hey, they were sitting at the top of the table um, before this round started at the midway point. So he's done his job very well. Jerome Luai has been a good fit next to Cleary. I'd like to see Matt Burden somehow in this team because I think if he isn't in their sights for next season, I do think another team is going to pick him up and I think he is going to be one of the better young players in the competition. But yeah, Isaiah Yo, another guy that's been brilliant. I think he's been one of the best lock forwards this season. He's really stepped up and that's his position in the middle. He's a great edge back rower but he's just proven he's, you know, even stepped up to another level in the middle. Kick out has been used pretty good, I believe. You know, sometimes you've got to use him as decoy runner, and I think they've clicked onto that. He causes a lot of attention, and if you use him as a dummy runner, you're going to allow spaces for the likes of um, the outside backs like Mansour, who's had a great season, a great kind of comeback season. I feel like he's been a bit down in recent, recent years. Um, he's been injured a bit too, but when he's playing, he's been great. Crichton's been one of the best centres in his rookie season, been fantastic. Naden's also been great too. Brian Toe's sadly been injured too, but he is fantastic. He is going to be... A uh, handful when he is fit and rearing. He has been awesome when he's been on the park. Yeah, there's some great, great signs for the Panthers. Are they going to win the comp this year? Every week and week, I keep asking myself that question because I d- didn't have them in the conversation when the season resumed. And maybe when I look, you know, are they missing a couple of star players? Like we said, could they? They obviously could do with another star player as a fullback or just in another key position. But, man, I just... It's one of those things. How many more weeks do they have to keep proving to me they are a great team? So I'm going to definitely say they can contend for a title. But do I put them above the Seagulls and the Raiders as more of a chance to win? I'll probably put them above the Raiders, definitely, actually. But the Seagulls, I just like what the Seagulls are with their key players and key positions when they are fully fit and healthy. Even though they're four spots ahead of them at the moment, I've still got to say I'd prefer the Seagulls to win the comp, but it's tough because Cleary is playing out of his skin and so is that Panthers side. They just look unstoppable. Um, but Coruscant is out for a couple of weeks, I believe, so that's it's going to be interesting how they adjust without him. So the final two teams, Eels, have been brilliant. Um, they're another team I thought, you know, they've been, they were great last year and they were great two years ago, obviously, uh, three years ago. Obviously, they had the wooden spoon year in between that. But you look at their roster and that whole forward pack could be origin players. You know, the only one to play for New South Wales has been Regan Campbell-Giller. But all the ones in that forward pack have been 
up to that standard. And Reed Mahoney, obviously, is a Queenslander. He's definitely in the fold as well. Mitchell Moses has missed time, but when he's been there, he's looked very composed. He's kind of, that's been his biggest improvement this year. He's can still do his game-breaking stuff, but he can kind of control the pace of the game too. Dylan Brown's been a great foil for him too. Michael Jennings, underrated, very underrated. We talk a lot about the Morris brothers and how they have been great at such an old age. He gets overlooked hugely. He's been fantastic. I was scared Sevo was going to hit a second-year wall. He's been awesome. You know, and Blake Ferguson hasn't had a great year. Let's just put that lightly. It's not like he, but he's not like he's had a horrendous year. He hasn't scored any tries, and it feels like he hasn't been doing the same damage with the ball at the start of Tets either. But, you know, he hasn't been found out. He's still, you know, one of those wingers, I still believe he's a top five winger in the comp. And Guffo's been the player of the season so far. Yes, you've got so many great players, rep players, you know, and obviously Guffo hasn't cracked the rep scene yet. He's been 18th man for a few sides, but he's been awesome. He stepped, he stepped up when Moses wasn't there. Even when Moses was there, a lot of games, he was the shining light. He was the one getting 200 plus metres, setting up tries, scoring tries. He brings a lot of energy too. A lot of the stuff he's good at doesn't even start show up on the stat sheet. Yeah, I think he's been brilliant. I think the Eels are the real deal. My issues with the Eels in the past, I just haven't seen them win with a plan plan. B, and what I mean by that is when the game gets ugly, they kind of tend to try to, you know, stay play the same way, play fast and expansive, and it doesn't work. They don't really stay in it with a good and grind, and I've seen this year they've been doing that. Maybe, maybe that's kind of, you know, just a shield. Maybe it's false hope. Maybe when it's actual the finals and it's big games, we will see the Eels of old. But at this stage, I am positive the Eels... Uh, probably my third ranked team if we're looking at power rankings of most likely team to win the comp. Because, yeah, I just I just love what they've been. You know, they were a team that was talented and I think Brad Arthur needed to work on a couple of things. It was that resilience, that defence and just some combinations as well. Um, obviously with Madison being there too, um, who's been the second row of the year, I believe. Yeah, I think they've been fantastic. So, yeah, really been liking what the Eels have done. Um, just like I said, a very underrated roster too. And the Storm, you know, Storm uh, lost too. And there's still, still sometimes, you know, there's some errors as a Storm fan. It's like, shake my head. But they still pull out the Ws, man. And oh, I was just watching them last night. And the way they were able to pick out what the Broncos were doing with their rush defense and spit it right... They use their forwards as ball players. The way they can use their forwards close to the line as kind of these dummy runners, Munster will will stand deeper um, and just gives them a lot more time to kind of sum up the situation. Uh, he's been, Munster has been unreal. The early rounds was a bit concerning because we really had to rely on Munster. I haven't seen us have to rely on someone so heavily before. He was really kind of winning games for us. But we're kind of getting a groove on now. Jerome Hughes is playing fantastic footy. Everyone was kind of, even I was thinking we need a game manager. But at the end of the day, we've got a game manager in Smith. You know, Pappenhausen is getting involved. He knows what his job is. He's going to pop up round in the middle, take some scoots. But he's also going to know when he needs to be on the edge as well. And he's got a pretty good, he, a game um, an improvement in his game could be playmaking, but at the moment, you know, he's he's in his first full season this year. He played a lot off the bench. He only played about eight games at fullback last year. 
So, you know, can't expect too much. But I generally believe they're my pick, and I'm biased because I'm a Storm fan. But I think if you're looking at it, I think it goes Roosters and then Storm as your top contenders for me. Um, yeah, and like I said, I don't, I still don't think they've been perfect. They've been, there's been some errors in their game, and um, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, typical, typical hasn't been some typical storm performances. I think we in the last couple of years we've actually had some blunt, some games, and some mistakes starting creeping into a game, but overall, you know, we're getting the wins. We we know how to win, yeah, and like I said about the Eels, they're learning how to win ugly, and Storm, that's what they can do, they can win ugly, they can win fast pace, they can win in different assets, I do, I'm always concerned about Vunivalu, and even at a car, defensively, they rush in too quickly, especially Vunivalu, and sometimes at a car can be caught out with the, the kicks as well, because sometimes they can be out-jumped. So that's a concern to me, just the edge defence some sometimes. So for the future, I would like to see kind of someone... Now, Vunavala's not going to be there, so the combinations next year are going to be different, but we might need to improve our edge defence somehow. I always thought... I was thinking the other day, Wilhapawade. I'd love to see Wilhapawade in one of our edges. And um, if he wants to cap off his career with another title to add to his one with the Seagulls in 2011, he's more than welcome to come. So, yeah, basically, that's kind of my review on the NRL season so far. Every team's kind of perspective of how they are shaping at the midway point and what they, yeah, what realistically they can look towards for the upcoming season. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah, look, I'll just throw it out there. I'm going to throw out my team of the halfway point so far, which I've also thrown on my page already. But uh, fullback. Clint Gufferson, the two wings, Brett Morris and David Nofaluma, who I didn't touch on for Tigers, but fantastic. Josh Morris and Jennings as a centre, six is Kerry, seven is um, Nathan Cleary, nine is Coruscant, but I think that's close. And look, I, th- I think people think it's a two-way race between Harry Grant and Coruscant. I believe Cameron Smith actually, if I had to review this, Again, in two weeks. Cameron Smith probably still is there. His impact on the game is still, you know, elite, as we know. And like we said before, they are able to win games that maybe they shouldn't have won. And a lot of it does come down to Cameron Smith. Uh, the props is the toughest of the bunch to pick. But I've gone with Josh Papali and James Shaharis with um, the likes of Junior Paulo, Regan Campbell-Gillard, um, also the Knights duo, Clemmer and... Clemmer and... Safedi in the mix as well. I also think Anthony Blake's been great, but I think a few ill-disciplined moments have let him down the season with just missing game time in general. Has kind of, for me, ruled him out. Takayahu's been great as well too. Um, second rowers, Ryan Madison was an easy pick, and Angus Crichton has had a great year this year. Um, you know, he had a transition year last year with the team. And was starting to pick up form at the back end, but I think he's really found his stripes with the Roosters this year. And thirteen is Jason Tamalolo. Now I almost veered away from Tamalolo because his team's not winning, but I couldn't go past him. I think Isaiah Isaiah Yao's a fair shout. There's a couple of other players, but at the end of the day, there was no one really quite at Tamalolo's level. And I think you can't put down the losses to Tamalolo at the end of the day. So I've got him in there as well. So. 
hope you guys enjoyed and yeah let me know if you let me know if you did enjoy and yeah hopefully me and Alex will be back back shortly with another episode of Trending in the League awesome guys have a good one